You're listening to Westside Church. For more information, visit us at westsideinfo.com. It's a new year. I love uh, preaching on the first Sunday of the year. I love uh, newness. Everybody doesn't do uh, New Year's resolutions. Some people uh, of you have quite a list of of resolutions, and some of you have a resolution that says, I will make no resolutions. Uh, And so that's fine, but I always want to encourage you to always be asking God, what is my next step? What's ahead for me? And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight, if, uh, or this morning. If you, don't have a, if you don't have a New Year's resolution or you don't believe them, uh, in them, you can have a January 3rd re- uh, resolution, and that's the, out of the song we just sang. That's one of my favorite phrases of 2015 is, let my deeds outrun my words, let my life outweigh my song. Let your words and your life be more than your speech or what you're always on about, and live out uh, what we say uh, we believe. I love that. I want to encourage you. Everybody's welcome here at Westside. We're a family church. Uh, just like at the Thanksgiving dinner table, there's grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles and little babies, and even the unborns are welcome at the table. And uh, so that's what we see Westside is a very healthy uh, church, uh, but we're not going to settle And that's going to be part of my message today uh, for us. Our theme for 2016 is go, therefore. Or some of the older versions say, say, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. And lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. And so that's a big deal. We're a church that loves God passionately. Uh, in 30 years from now, it's going to be uh, 2046, and should Jesus not come back by then? I know a lot of you think he's going to come back any minute. I hope he does, but Paul the Apostle thought Jesus was going to come back any minute. My dad thought Jesus was going to come back any minute, especially after they had ATM machines. That's the Antichrist, is ATM machines. (laughs) And so Jesus has to come back, and so... Um, I am prepared for him to come back at any moment, but at the same time, we want to prepare our kids and the next generation, the future of this church. Just add 30 to your present age. And honestly, I don't want to have a church that's in their uh, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, hundreds, 30 years from now. I want a church that has little babies in it. I want to have a church that's still making a difference in this community. I want a church that passionately, wholeheartedly loves Jesus, and they love God's Word, and they honor God's Word, and they live God's Word in their sphere of influence, and they're making a difference. I see a church in 30 years here at Westside that has sites all over this area where we have one eldership and one vision and one church and one impact into this community, and that we've also planted dozens of other churches around the United States and possibly around the world. I I see people who are simplifying their lives and getting ready for their next step. I see a church where uh, we are making an impact into the educational system in this region, into the politics of this region, into the, uh, the arts of this community in this area, and where each person is using their gifts to serve Almighty God, represent Him in their sphere of influence. And I'll tell you what, there's a place for you, and there's a place for your kids, and there's a place for your grandkids that aren't even born yet. Some of you are going, wait a minute, I don't even have kids yet. And, and hopefully, 
we will see God move in many, many ways. Amen? And so, man, I'm so excited about what God is doing and what's ahead for us. And uh, many of you are going to have to change your lives. Many of you are going to have to stop doing some stuff. Many of you are going to have to start doing some stuff. Many of you are going to start have to like take the, the plugs out of your ears and start hearing God's voice every single day. You love Him, and you worship Him, and you honor Him the best as you can, but sometimes we go around our life like this, yeah, 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 and we are so busy uh, that we can't hear the voice of God. I want to encourage you, I want to exhort you today that this is a, a new year, a new day, and a new season. This church will not settle. We will not settle. We will not slide off into oblivion and irrelevance as far as the kingdom goes. This church is going to power through. We're going to continue on, continuing on. We're going to keep the main thing, the main thing. We're going to fight for unity. We're going to fight for, to keep our passion for Jesus alive. We're, going to, we're not going to slack off. We're going to keep moving forward. And, and I'll tell you what, it needs all hands on deck. That's not in my notes. So, Happy New Year. <laughs> I'm excited. Deuteronomy chapter 1. I'm going to read the first 21 verses uh, this morning and see if we can get through this. These are the words that Moses spoke to all the people of Israel while they were in the wilderness east of the Jordan River. Deuteronomy is a summary of, the, of Exodus, Leviticus, and, and uh, Numbers and Moses is about to die and he gets all the people together and he recounts the story. Why? Because a new generation has arisen. The older generation has passed away and he's giving them this fresh vision and he's giving them reminders of what the Lord has done. They were camped in the Jordan Valley near Suf between Paran on one side and Tophel, Laban and Hezeroth and Dizahab on the other. That's pretty good. I had to practice those. And so normally it takes only 11 days to travel from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea going by the way of Mount Seir. It's an 11-day journey to go from Egypt to Israel. That's what that's saying. It took them 40 years. Why? We'll talk about it a little bit later. But it's because they didn't listen to the voice of the Lord. And they didn't respond in obedience. And lack of faith, lack of hearing from God, is the same as disobedience. That's what the Bible says. Uh, it's a sad story. And too often it parallels us. It parallels me and part of my life. There's, there's parts of my life where I was just camping in the wilderness, not making a hill of beans of difference in anybody's life. Um, but 40 years after the Israelites left Egypt on the first day of the 11th month, Moses addressed the people of Israel, telling them everything the Lord had commanded him to say. They, this took place after he had defeated King Sihon of the Amorites, who had ruled in Heshbon, and King Og of Bashan, who had ruled in uh, Ashtaroth and Ed- Edri. And so Sihon and Og, they were two kings, and Israel had soundly defeated these kings. God had given them a, a couple of victories under their belts to build up their confidence before they were to go into the promised land, which is a picture of us. They came out of Egypt so that they could go into the promised land. God took you out of your old life so he could take you into all the promises he has for you. He didn't want you to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years till Jesus comes back. He wants you to make a difference. He wants you to take ground to move forward. And so uh, he brought them into the land of promise. And then he said, now you go fight for it. 
It's a miracle I brought you over here. I got you to this point. Now you take the rest little by little. And that's what God calls us to do. That's called working out your own salvation with fear and trembling, like Paul says. We have been saved. This is a lot of theology, sorry. Uh, uh, We have been saved. We've been justified. We are being saved. We have been saved. We're going to heaven. We love Jesus. But we are being saved. We are being conformed to the likeness of Jesus. And I want that to continue until I close my eyes here on this earth and open my eyes in his presence. Um, While the Israelites were in the land of Moab, east of the Jordan River, Moses carefully explained the Lord's instructions as follows. When we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, You have stayed at this mountain long enough. It is time to break camp and to move on. Go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all the neighboring regions, the Jordan Valley, the hill country, the western foothills, the Negev, the coastal plain. Go to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon and all the way to the great Euphrates River. Look, I am giving all this land to you. Go and occupy it. For it is the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and to all their descendants. Moses continued, At that time I told you, You are too great a burden for me to carry all by myself. The Lord your God has increased your population, making you as numerous as the stars. And may the Lord, the God of your ancestors, multiply you a thousand times more and bless you as he promised. But you are such a heavy load to carry. How can I deal with all your problems and bickering? Choose some well-respected men from each tribe who are known for their wisdom and understanding, and I will appoint them as your leaders. Then you responded, your plan is a good one. So I took the wise and respected men you have selected from your tribes and appointed them to serve as judges and officials over you. Some were responsible for a thousand people, some for a hundred, some for fifty, and some for ten. At that time I instructed the judges, you must hear the cases of your fellow Israelites and the foreigners living among you be perfectly fair in your decisions and impartial in your judgments. Hear the cases of those who are poor as well as those who are rich. Don't be afraid of anyone's anger, for the decision you make is God's decision. Bring me the cases that are too difficult for you, and I will handle them at that time. I gave you instructions about everything you were to do. It's not a great, inspiring passage. I could just hear Moses. He's 120 years old. And he's speaking from the cleft of a rock where, where a natural amphitheater where thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people could hear him in his natural voice. And whether it was him or uh, his brother Aaron speaking, it's not the point. The point is that there was something ahead. There was a promise of something ahead. And I want to say to you that there's something for you ahead today. And for many of you, your, your years to come are going to be greater than your former years. The years that God has ahead for you, you're going to make a greater impact than you ever thought possible. Some of you thought you were so out, you, you messed up so bad, you had ruined your life. But I want to say God is a God of redemption. He's a God of rest- restoration. He will restore the years that the locusts have eaten, and He will give you this promise and cause it to come to fruition. I'm so excited about what God's doing. I just, I'm so excited about the, um, Him speaking to you guys now. There's so many of you that are going, yeah, that's right, that's right, yes, yes, there's something that we can do uh, to serve Almighty God. So a few observations about this passage. Uh, a new generation had arisen, because it only takes 11 days to go 
from Horeb to Kadesh Barnea. And God, uh, Moses reminded the people of all God's instructions. Uh, they had a couple of victories under their belt. Moses expounded and, and taught the law again for them. That's why there's a lot of retelling the law in Deuteronomy. And uh, God gives them a command. You've stayed at this mountain long enough. Break, camp, and move. And so he gives us a promise. I've given you this land. He gives this command. Go in and possess it. And he had raised up a team. Captains. Leaders. And God in this church has raised up leaders. And it's awesome. And, and they obeyed and they set out. And God said again, go up and possess it. And then he commanded them, do not be afraid. Do you know do not be afraid is not a suggestion. It's a command. Don't be afraid. Sometimes we get afraid. God says don't be. So this parallels... Uh, Terry and I just sort of celebrated our 16th anniversary of coming to this church. Uh, this church existed before we got here. Some of you, a few of you were here before then. And God has uh, instituted uh, growth and, and uh, joy and demonstrated His faithfulness. And we've seen miracles. And uh, there's been a new generation raised up here. It's a parallel. And so here's a, here's a question I have for us. It's for me. You can take it for you if you want, but it's for us as a church. And it's with all sincerity. Should it have taken us this long to get where we are today? You know when you're pulling in a tug-of-war and you're giving it 100%? People will say, yeah, I gave it 110%. How, how do you do that? I don't know how you give more than your all. So anyway, so you give 100%, but you're on that tug-of-war and you're tired. You're only, you back down to 80%. If every single person, including me, had given 100%, would we be further along down the road right now than we are? I, I think it was one of the, the great preachers of the last century said, the world is still waiting to see what God can do with one man or one woman who is completely and totally sold out for Him. And so my exhortation for us is to look ahead, shake off the dust, pull up those stakes, and have this going mentality that God has talked about to his children for thousands of years. Um, in Hebrews chapter 5, the writer, probably Paul's teaching, said, there is much more we'd like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. You know what? They just got punched in the nose right there. And we need to take that and say, sometimes what he's saying here is, listen, you guys are complaining, you're talking, you all have input, but now you should actually be teaching this. Why aren't you teaching this? And he's saying, because we have a job to do, and that's to perpetuate what God has called us to do, and to expand and to take this ground and to occupy Instead, you need someone to teach you again all the basic things about God's Word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. They got punched again there. I think the writers in the New Testament want to jar us to attention sometimes, to get our attention. And I believe this is one of those moments, this is one of those years indeed, uh, because our theme is go therefore, that God wants to say, come on, pull up those stakes. Let's let's. Let's be ready to move. We are pilgrims in this land. And you know I'm talking uh, with an analogy here, not saying everybody has to get up and move. Who would be here if we all moved? So, um, 
but it's our, it's our attitude. Some of you will move. God is calling some of you to move. Uh, here's some reminders. We need to be reminded of the, thing, the things that God has taught us and commanded us. Uh, we're, I want to remind you that God has taught us to keep Jesus first. Jesus, or it's said that if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. We want to keep Jesus first and foremost. We want to put value upon his word. We don't want to worship his word. We want to worship the one who wrote the word. But this sustains us. The word of God is inerrant. It's complete. It's everything that we need for uh, all of our faith, our life, and in practice. Uh, We want to remind everybody that God has called us to love him with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And, And a lifestyle evangelism as a church where we go into our sphere of influence and share he wants to remind us that we don't add anything to his word and we don't take anything away to it it's the bible plus nothing minus nothing that we have a relationship with the bigger picture with the apostolic out there that uh, we have partnership with churches around the world um and god has brought us through pain he's brought us through suffering and he's brought us through growth and much much more and if you've been going to this church more than 10 years raise your hand all right, just ask one of these people to take you out to lunch and say, what was it like in those old days? <laughs> All right? We've had some victories. Faith has been built in our people here. We, we were seven years over at B Street. We've been eight and a half years here at the new property. We've had a one full church plant, and we've been actively supporting four or five other church plants around the country. We've had numerous men's and women's advances. We've had marriage retreats and kids camps and neighborhood outreaches on Halloween. And 11 years ago, this church released Terry and myself to be on the NCMI apostolic team. And we've made a difference in other nations. We've taken many people with us uh, on teams. We've had countless Mexico ministry trips and Westside Wheeler trips and outreaches where people come to Christ and countless salvations and baptisms and many marriages restored, and families reunited, and babies born, and ladies' fun days, and community involvement. And uh, we've had 25% growth in the last two years alone here at Westside Church. And we are praising God for victory. All the glory, all the honor goes to Him. And so you can apply that to you personally as well. Where have I come? Where has God brought me? Again, God's word to us today is, you've stayed at this mountain long enough. It's time to break camp and move forward that's enlargement enlargement and each one of you is needed each one of you is necessary some in the forefront and some behind the scenes but all of you are part of it just like paul the apostle said in romans 12 each of you is a part of it and each of us must do what god has called us to do and the promise is he's given us this land this region now we're not the only church in this area who loves God and loves His Word. But we're the church He's put us in. This is our family. And this is what God's called to do. And He can orchestrate. He's the chess player. He can tell. Each church has a a emphasis, just like every family. Every individual has an emphasis and strengths and weaknesses. The things that we do, we want to do well and use our gift to serve others. And He's raised up a wonderful team of leadership here, elders and deacons and small group leaders. And to advance, we need more leaders, many more leaders, people who, are, who, who say, God has called me to simplify my life out there to serve more in here. Now, some of you, God has not called to serve in the church. And if God hasn't called you, you don't want to serve in the church. 
If God's called you to business or medicine or education or the arts or politics or whatever it is, go and represent Jesus well. And we celebrate everybody's gifting here at Westside. So what prevents us from moving out? Number one, distraction. I say that's the biggest issue in our Western culture, particularly here in the United States, distraction. There are so many things to do. And they're good things. They're not bad things. Yeah, there's plenty of bad things, but we don't have enough time for all the good things. And so God says, you spend time on the best things and you don't have time for all the good things. 2 Timothy 2, 3 and 4, Paul gives this exhortation to his young protege, Timothy. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. Even those of you that are called into business or to other arenas, you still need to simplify your life to serve in the kingdom, to serve the king in the kingdom. And that's just a a mentality we have. We are not settlers. We are pioneers. We're pushing through and moving on. Someday when we get to heaven, uh, we'll see what's to be done there. But it's not floating around on a cloud playing a harp. You're going to have work to do there too. I'm sorry to break this to you, but God created us to work. That work was there before sin ever entered the picture. God works. He does stuff. And He created us to do stuff too. Uh, Number two, what prevents us from moving out is unbelief and disobedience. Um, The writer in Hebrews equates these as the same thing. And here's the passage where I get that from. And who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpses lay in the wilderness, and to whom God was speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? He's uh, uh, equating uh, that disobedience there with the sin. So we see that because of their, not disobedience, their unbelief. I thought he just said it was disobedience. Unbelief in the Word of God is disobedience. It's wrong. When God says something, we can trust it. We can take it to the bank. We can count on it. His Word is true. So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter His rest. Number three, fear. People are afraid. People are afraid. It's said that uh, in spite of what they say, 90% of the chronic patients who see today's physicians have one common symptom Their trouble did not start with a cough or chest pain or hyperacidity. In 90% of the cases, the first symptom was fear. God says, do not be afraid. Have I not commanded you? Do not be afraid. Be strong and be courageous. But God, I can't do this. I can't take care of my kids. I can't get the bills paid on time. Do not fear. Be strong and courageous. Have I not told you? I'll be with you wherever you go. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So, I'm going to read a couple of the last verses in this chapter of Deuteronomy 1. Starting in verse 19. Then, just as the Lord our God commanded us, we left Mount Sinai and traveled through the great and terrifying wilderness, as you yourselves remember, and headed toward the hill country of the Amorites. 
When we arrived at Kadesh Barnea, I said to you, you have now reached the hill country of the Amorites that the Lord our God is giving us. Look, he has placed the land in front of you. Go and occupy it as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Isn't that great? They obeyed and they set out. Will we? Obey and set out what God is speaking to us. God said it again. Go and possess it. Go take possession of this. This is your promise. This is what I have for you. This is the great marriage that I have for you. This is wonderful kids that you're bringing up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. These are your grandchildren, who grandparents, you're commanded to speak the word of God over them. You have a second chance if you messed up the first time. I love how God is a redeemer. He redeems things. He gives us many, many opportunities. The command is don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. So our response today, here's our response. And sometimes I just let the Lord speak, but I have a few questions for us. Where is God leading you? Where is he telling you to break camp and move forward? In what arena is that? For some of us, It's to quit being on the edge of what God's doing instead of the center of what God's doing. Some of us just like to observe from the outskirts instead of getting in on the inskirts. You know, the closest place when mama was angry is getting close. Don't be out at the tail end. Does that still, does that resonate with anybody here? Or is that too old? The children of Israel disobeyed God, and it says fire consumed some of those that were on the outskirts. You know, if you want to get in safe, get into where people are. And some of us are just watching what God is doing. And God is saying, this is the year, this is the time. Get in the game again. That's for some of us. For some of us, it might be, uh, get my finances in order. My finances are out of whack. I encourage you, next Tuesday... Not this coming Tuesday, a week from Tuesday on the 12th, in here at 7 o'clock, Financial Peace University. Biblical principles, biblical uh, a truth that will set you free financially. This church here is well over, way over $100,000 of debt cleared and free. Many people in this church are walking completely debt-free, and they weren't before, by applying God's word uh, to their finances. Maybe God is calling you now to get into a small group. You've been messing around too much. You know that this church is way too big to know everybody. That God, we have you know, 23, 25, I don't know how many small groups in this church where people get together and know each other on a more close basis. 12 average people, 12 to 14 people maybe, 6, 8 people, some are more, some are less. And get to know people and pray with people and know their names and know their kids' names and, and, and celebrate birthdays and go to... Soccer games with their family, things like that. God has called us to be a close-knit group of people. And you've resisted that. Maybe now is the time to get into a small group. Some of you, it's time for you to start giving financially to the church. Tithing, giving, as the New Testament says, each week lay aside as God has prospered you. What a great opportunity after the new year. Just start on the right track. Some of you need to start volunteering with your talents and abilities. Because you don't have the financial resources, but you have plenty of other resources that, that you can use. God's telling you to get involved. Some of you, God is calling you to go on a ministry trip this year. 
There's going to be a Mexico ministry trip uh, coming up in July. There's many other opportunities to to serve, and there's going to be um, a very small group going to Australia next month to the to the um, equip there that, of the churches that we relate to, and then in New Zealand in July, and a couple in Canada, one in May and one in September, and there's. There's going to be a, a, a trip to Denver this year. This is one of those years that God is not calling all of us to go to one of those, but I think God is calling all, all of us to, to pick one instead of going to the same one. Pick one and get out there, represent, and, and get a picture. The, the best benefit that you'll get is to get a picture of what God is doing out there instead of just tucked away in the corner uh, where we are here in the beautiful foothills of the Sierra Nevada mountains in Northern California, which is God's paradise. But we still need to know what he's doing out there. For some of us, it's time for you to start serving in the church here to use your gifts. And whatever gift you have, the church can use it. We have people that come in and sew up the chairs that rip. We have people that work volunteer in the office. We have people that work with kids and and work with teens and and lead small groups and, and building the trades, all every single trade we need, people using their gift uh, to serve in the church. Some of you, God is calling you uh, to make this year your neighbors are your mission field. Your co-workers are your mission field. Some of you, God is calling you to simplify your life in such a way that you can go on the next church plant. God's not calling everybody to do that, but he's calling some of you to do that. To take a radical step to serve the king in the kingdom. Some of you, God is even calling to lead one of those church plants or a new church site or something like that. Some way to expand uh, the kingdom. The word is break camp and advance. Not in your own strength, not a rah, rah, rah cheerleading session, but Almighty God touching your heart, gripping you here in your knower, where you know that you know that you know that God wants you to serve Him to the utmost of your ability. And now's the time to do it. Amen? Um, And we're not going to be settlers. In two weeks when I preach again, we're going to talk about not settling. And how to not do that. Father, thanks for this wonderful exhortation you've given us this morning. We love you. We honor you. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.